Clustered Conversations. Clustered Conversations by Weka. Hey there, and welcome back to Clustered Conversations. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And today we're going to talk about the data platform for EDA, which is a Weka file system. Absolutely. We brought somebody new with us today, one of our kind of newer SEs that just recently joined us. Dave, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Say hello to the audience. Hello, everyone. I, I'm Dave Unger. Uh, like Josh said, uh, new SE at Weka. And, and you know, I've been uh, spending a lot of the last 15 years uh, working with EDA customers across a, a few different companies. Um, but so love to share some perspective as to what that market segment needs and how we can help. Yeah, we've been going after that market segment a little bit. Uh, we did a pretty good job with the stack benchmarks, uh, a couple, uh, the spec benchmarks a couple months ago or a couple years ago as well, and ended up with uh, really high marks. And we're number one for a little while until a much, much more expensive configuration came in and kind of beat us, but we still uh, own the latency. They might have gotten a little bit more throughput, but at what expense? You know, it's, it's a lot more money than our little uh, test cluster we had running. Um, and you and I both came from a, a previous company with storage that has a, a lot of EDA customers. Um, and I covered them when I was up here in the Pacific Northwest with uh, with them before I came over here. So I think we have a great solution. So let's go over a couple of things. I mean, uh, what what really makes an EDA customer excited uh, and how can storage or any kind of system changes help them be more efficient? Okay. Mighty broad question. Um, I know. I don't have, I'm not very specific sometimes because I, I want to give you an opening and then we'll bug you as we go along. Exactly. No uh, well, I, I'll tell you the number one thing EDA customers are looking for, uh, they, they've got two very different sets of workloads. They, they've got their front end workloads that are really, you know, uh, analogous to, to CI/CD workloads in other industries. It's writing a lot of code, doing compilations, you know, does it compile correctly? Did I make a logical error? Did I make a syntax error? You know, has it been uh, scrubbed for vulnerabilities or, you know, uh, 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 injection of open source source code that uh, uh, might taint my code base, all that kind of stuff. Uh, those jobs run really quickly all the time, make efficient uh, use of resources. Uh, but they're very interactive. Uh, they've got a lot of people sitting there waiting for the job to finish. They're looking for, did my code com uh, compile or do I have bugs that I need to fix? And so for those workloads, it's all about making it run faster so that the people can be more efficient. Uh, you know, folks want, um, uh, you know, uh, the results sitting there waiting on uh, uh, the developers to, to look at it. They, they don't want the developers, you know, sitting there staring at the screen or wandering off, getting coffee, you know, water cooler conversations. You know, that's just too inefficient. So mm -hmm. for the front end workloads, it's very much about how quickly those jobs can run. And they typically only take minutes. And then, you know, if the jobs themselves run faster, that means there's, you know, they're going to free up compute resources. Uh, 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 you know, CPU and memory that much sooner. That means they can run more jobs in parallel. So how, That's gonna... how storage bound are those? I mean, is it are they big storage workloads or are they more uh, compute workloads? Uh, it, it's a mix of compute and, and IOPS. So lots of small files, hmm. uh, lots of random IO, you know, the, the stuff that Weka is really, really awesome at uh, is exactly what they're looking for for those. So it, it's all about getting the jobs to finish faster, getting more of them running in parallel, uh, on that uh, uh, compute cluster. Now, Dave, know. when you say lots of small files, we're talking you know, thousands, ten thousands. 
Uh, well, define lots. Yeah, tens and hundreds of thousands. So, um, in a there's an awful in a lot going on. <laughs> Uh, directories, uh, you know, there's going to be a directory tree, so individual directories are uh, probably going to be in the uh, tens of thousands uh, uh, for that side of the workload. So metadata uh, is a big part of this workload. I mean, it probably does a lot of uh, stats and pulls and, and finds and, and lookups and, hey, does this file exist and does this link go X, right? That, so it's a, it's a lot of heavy metadata lifting. Um, and which is something that we're very good at since we spread the metadata across the entire cluster. And so every system in our cluster actually is serving a piece of the metadata for every call. Yeah. Great point. Cool. Uh, uh, we've got a, in a, a very much parallelized and distributed architecture. That means all the nodes uh, that are getting spun up are going to be uh, helping to solve the problem, not just uh, half of an HA pair or not just the uh, one node uh, that a, a, a uh, NFS export is being served from. So we've got a lot we can do to make those front end workloads faster. And then the back end workloads, that's where uh, the uh, logical design has already been, you know, transformed into a physical one and place and route jobs are, are uh, trying to make the physical layout better. You know, timing analysis is being done, verification, simulation, and uh, ultimately emulation. Those workloads are extremely, uh, 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 intensive uh, in, for both compute and storage, and huge expense is going to be the EDA software tools that are running. And and when these uh, jobs are running on a, a, a whole bunch of different nodes in the cluster, consuming lots of memory, lots of cores, um, you know, uh, that license uh, cost is going to be huge. Uh, that it, the EDA tool license cost is going to be the uh, single most expensive thing that uh, IT buys. Uh, for an EDA company, that the more we can do uh, to make those jobs run faster, free up the licenses, or you know, at the very least, help people not have to buy new licenses, uh, uh, yeah. that's going to make lives much much easier. And what there's... those workloads in particular need is very fast shared scratch base. So there's two um, parts there. I think you, you're bringing on one thing. One is we can help the customers use less licenses that they want to, or mm -hmm. use the same amount of license money but do more work in the same amount of time. I think both exactly. of those are, are, are more efficiency for them, right? So if they are using the same licenses for the same amount of time for every job, but they're getting twice as much work done, they can basically, you know, double their, their output every year. Hmm. That's maybe uh, an interesting question though. Is like what, to that, to those two points, what would a sort of normal EDA shop want to do? Would they want to kind of constrain their usage of licenses or would they want to be able to maximize the, the licenses they have and, and make them more efficient, perhaps uh, to the point of being more efficient where having more licenses actually makes sense. Is, is that, do you think that would make sense for some EDA shops there, Dave? Well, it, it definitely makes sense. The, uh, the number one thing they're trying to do is, is avoid spending more money on more licenses as long as possible. So <laughs> they've already signed the enterprise license agreement. They've already committed to, here's what I'm going to pay Cadence or Synopsys or Siemens. They don't want to have to agree to give up anymore. Um, but they're not going to succeed in taking money back. So, uh, you know, it's not that they're trying to, you know, uh, shrink what they're already committed to. They want to get more use out of what they've done. Uh, it, and that means, you know, uh, you know, not having to buy more licenses as they hire more uh, developers. That also means, you know, uh, you know, uh, there's in EDA, there are no prizes for finishing early. You know, the tape out <laughs> on a chip is scheduled, you know, two years in advance. Finishing early makes you look stupid. It doesn't make you look good. But 
if you can spend more time optimizing your design, making it more power efficient, making it faster, or doing more you know, uh, uh, QA runs so you can find more bugs and fix them, better chips or faster chips are always a good thing. So that's what they're going to be aiming for. It's not, hey, you know, you know, can I get away with running uh, fewer jobs? It's how do I run more jobs for what I'm already spending? So we, how, we how can working... I better optimize my design on chips so that when it actually goes to the fab, I've maximized the use of that wafer. I'm, I'm designing a chip that I've had many, many more runs through knowing that it is a more efficient design for the chip. It is going to maximize production, minimize errors and potentially, you know, waste from uh, systems not passing or chips not passing QA, right? Exactly. And in particular, have I done more verification runs? Have I done more simulations? And, you know, uh, ideally, have I done more emulation uh, runs, which are extremely compute and storage intensive, uh, but they let you run arbitrary, you know, uh, software against that logical chip design and make sure the applications are going to work. So, so that's where you're going to find the gnarliest bugs. And the more of that you can do, the better off you are. So engineering marketing story here. Uh, we did have a customer who did autonomous driving and it's, you know, it's not the same, but they are doing dealing with uh, millions of images and they're going through them and their process was taking them 14 days to go from the time the images were loaded up into their, their AI engine to the point where they had an answer. And if it broke anywhere along the way, they had to start over, but it was a 14 day run. When they switched over to Weka, the, the only thing that really changed is the fact they didn't have to move the data around everywhere and got faster performance per job. And that entire workload went down to four hours. So now yeah. in that same 14-day period, basically, they can do a year's worth of work, right? And that's that's a year's worth more of QA, a year's worth more of seeing, hey, is that a stop sign or is that a, a, a fire hydrant, right? Those are, uh, those are very important things. And same thing with chip design. I would suspect if you can do a thousand runs of, of QA more than you did before, you would find a thousand more bugs and a thousand more shunts and a thousand more ways to make things faster, easier, and cleaner for your users. Or even just, you know, a lot of these backend uh, jobs for verification, simulation, emulation take two days, three days, four days, five days. If you could run two a week instead of one a week, then, you know, you've got the chance to make the chip twice as good as it would have been. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it doesn't even have to be, hey, let me make it, you know, you know, orders of magnitude faster. Uh, if we can simply get uh, uh, our customers to where they can do uh, twice as many runs uh, for those backend jobs as they would have without us, then that's already a huge, incredible win for them. So what's, their, uh, what's the cloud story in this world? I mean, where are they going to, I mean, are we having EDA customers in the cloud currently? Are they moving to the cloud? Are you seeing any kind of movement like that? Oh, everybody. So for years, I, I was hearing, oh, yeah, you know, uh, cloud is hard or cloud is slow or cloud is expensive. You know, uh, we definitely don't want to move to the cloud or our intellectual property is so, you know, uh, special to us. We can't take the risk of putting it in the cloud. Uh, I'd get fired if I tried. Uh, well, with all of the supply chain constraints of people not being able to take delivery of servers, switches and storage, everyone's going to the cloud now. Uh, 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 even uh, folks over at Intel who used to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, our cost of, uh, uh, for buying uh, compute nodes is less than Amazon. Uh, and we've got access to, you know, all the fastest chips uh, we could hope for. Why would I pay Amazon more money for an inferior product? Um, but now even they're going, I, I have to build environments in the cloud because of supply chain constraints or because of uh, remote workers or because I've got this collaboration project going with this other uh, person and 
the only way we can effectively share things to spin them up in the cloud, collaborate quickly, decide if it's going to work, and, and if so, keep it running. If not, tear it down. Uh, well, all I these mean, companies uh, have folks that have done the exact same thing for 20 years or 30 years, and they didn't want to learn the cloud. Now everybody has a cloud migration project going on, well, at we least for bursting, if yeah. not complete lift and shift. And we got our own little lab here at, at Weka that we've been using to do testing and playing around with and do demonstrations. And for us, you know, even on a small scale, it's so much of a pain to get something racked and stacked and cabled up and and plugged in and finding the power. And now we're we're actually at the point where we're out of rack space. So now we have to wait for a rack to be put in, and then the power dropped, and the network added, right? It, whereas we also have start.weka.io where I can go to and spin up a Weka cluster in Amazon. And we, you know, yeah. they, they've even been working on the Jenkins. Uh, automation for that. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but the nice part is you, I can go out there and spin up an entire cluster as big as I want it and have it up and running in a half an hour with clients and AD and everything else. Kubernetes already set up. So yeah. it's a, you know. Yeah, plus these hyperscale, I mean, they have the the market sort of capital. They have the uh, the economy of scale to be able to go to, you know, the Intels, the AMDs, the et cetera's and buy the, the biggest, newest, highest clock speed, most cores, chips at scale, at, you know, cloud scale, air quotes for everybody listening, right? Um, and whereas if you are an EDA shop, you know, sure, you're going to be trying to buy the newest stuff, but you're going to be doing it on a cadence, you know, every three years, five years on a refresh cycle, right? So maybe you've got your your current data center, your current sort of EDA cluster that you're running your jobs on, and it's running on, you know, processors three, five years old. And every year, we see, you know, IPC improvements from releases from Intel, from AMD, from the ARM-based processors, where, you know, every cycle that you're running, even just from a megahertz perspective, is more efficient. And now we're getting chips that are even in the data centers, like even in um, Amazon, like I'm seeing like boost clocks up above four gigahertz on some of these instance types. Like how much more work could you get done just by using a newer, more modern processor and not even from, you know, necessarily having to scale out to a bunch more systems or, you know, use, utilizing more, uh, more licenses, just making your runs more efficient in and of itself holds value. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, you were talking about the economy scale of these, these uh, cloud companies. And uh, it reminded me of when I was at my last company, we talked about the death of SaaS drives because, you know, the SaaS drives <laughs> were the hottest and coolest thing. They didn't die because NVMe and SSD showed up. They died because the uh, cloud providers all wanted cheaper, faster, uh, no, cheaper, slower, and denser drives. So they wanted the uh, the the thirty three thousand RPM or even slower if they could, you know, dense mm -hmm. drives. And so that kind of pushed the drive manufacturers to take their spinning platters and move it down there because they were buying an, at, at exabyte scale, where they weren't going to be buying SAS drives at exabyte scale. So just those fat, those pieces died away, and that that opened the market now for NVMe and SSD to come in and swoop in at that high end. So now, yeah. When was the last time you saw a fifteen thousand RPM drive in the data center? Right, those <laughs> yeah, are right. Those are dinosaurs now. Dude, I, the seventy two hundred RPMs are gone. I mean, it's all basically all gone. It's all just the cheap drives now. It's all that you can find. It's it's amazing. These just big yeah. dense drives. But yeah, that well, you these, throw enough spindles at anything, right? I mean, well, these companies have changed the way faster. things are produced. They they changed, uh, you know, chip spin. They they made other chips more important. Networking's changed because of them. There's much more virtual networking, and they made virtualization. Yeah that much more efficient than it was when we were doing uh you know vmware and kvm and and hyper v in our data centers the stuff they're doing is just 
it's miles above what, what's going on in data centers. But yeah, um, and, and you know, Josh has played around. And, you know, the cloud isn't what it used to be in people's minds, which is slow and you know onerous to work in. Josh built a cluster a couple of weeks ago, and you get to you know that that nice round number of what, two. It just, it was just it was just a two terabyte per second, but we've, we've <laughs> talked about that. Yeah, but yeah, it's that's, a that's old speed. hat now. I, it is, but this, just you know, the, it's it's good to point out the cloud isn't that what people thought it was, right? People thought it was yeah, before it was going to be a way to burst down and have lots of little pieces. You can do big in the cloud as much as you want to. Um, we got we got entire customers have studios in the cloud. Uh, we have EDA customers who are now born in the cloud, and we've got you know it'd be nice to be able to move our customers help them move up because we can run Weka on site, replicate that data using our uh, our snap to object technology and spin up a cluster in the cloud and have all your data available to you. Right, you know, it gives yeah. the customers that, that ability to move data around and have it be where they want it when they want it, right? Yeah, yeah. enable that. We can do it the other, the other way around too. For folks that just need to spin up a compute cluster today, yeah. you know, spin it up in Amazon, Azure, Google, Oracle, take your pick. Uh, we can support all of them. So get it up and running and, and you know, uh, uh, customers can pick their cloud provider, not based on, hey, you know, which one might su support my EDA workloads because they all can. Right. So instead, they can go to procurement and, and ask, well, where do we have a commitment uh, uh, that we're currently falling short on? <laughs> you know, where are we, you know, already wasting money today? Well, let's spin up your environment there, uh, test it out and prove it, you know. Like you already said, Bob, we can uh, uh, get up and running in a, in a matter of hours. Uh, this mm -hmm. isn't something that's going to take you know days, weeks, or months. We can get up and running, uh, get the workloads tested, prove that it works, and you know give uh, our, our our customers a chance to you know if they prefer to, you know uh, buy uh, servers from a whole lot of different manufacturers. You know whichever one they prefer, whichever one has inventory they can actually ship. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whether that's you know. Uh, Dell, HPE, Supermicro, Hitachi, Vantara. I mean, you know, we support a, a big, wide range of manufacturers. So or a decide, combination. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So decide what company, what configuration you want to buy and are able to take delivery of. Spin it up on prem and migrate your workload that way if you want. You know, and you can take advantage of some of the new technologies coming out. Josh and I had a conversation last night with a customer about 400 gig NICs. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> They, they, yeah. they're, they're coming cx7s are coming and these guys are going to get them and we're going to plug them in and, and have a, a 400 gig network connected to our cluster it's going to be nuts but it's 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 today that's not you know future rocket science and, and science fiction it's it's today i mean when i started here three years ago 100 gig was just fancy new and 200 gig was this 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 uh thing that's in the future maybe and yep. that, now 200 gig is you know the the new hot thing and 400 is right around the corner so it's it's crazy to see how fast networks have changed in such a short period of time well and you know uh, you mentioning that just makes me think of that is the single you know uh, most critical piece of the answer of why is the weka file system as fast as it is as it is uh because there have been such big uh, innovations on the network side and all the server manufacturers are putting in lots of PCIe lanes uh, mm -hmm. uh, to the network cards. They're not putting in that kind of uh, plumbing to the local storage. So, uh, you know, you know, yeah, frankly, yeah. you know, our customers with the uh, compute clusters running these EDA jobs are going to be able to fetch data from us a lot faster yeah. than they could uh, fetch it even from local NVMe. Uh, they've yeah, got this... no reason to copy the data locally and, and iterate exactly. on it there to get exactly. speed because 
We can do it faster over the wire. Uh, you know, yeah, why be stuck at four PCI Express lanes to a single NVMe when you can be using 16 or 32 or, I mean, keep adding network cards, right? And you have that much effectively now external PCIe lanes to the rest <laughs> of your network, to the rest of your compute. Uh, it's it's wild how that's going. Like, I remember when, uh, what, five, six years ago or so, and like PCIe networking was starting to kind of be a thing, but the cabling for that was like super noisy and it kind of never really got off the got off the ground but here we are and now like ethernet and infiniband <laughs> could potentially be your your inter-system network at internal speeds it's wild yeah i mean if, if you look at what we're doing we, we're supporting all the new drives right we, we are looking at some of the newer technologies for more dense drives going forward we support the new network cards we went to gen 4 like a week after it came out um, we went to gen 4 on the announcement yeah. as soon as amd I, mean, I remember that announcement with amd as soon as they had announced that milan was coming out in that announcement they talked about weka yeah they talked I, about the speeds that we were providing because uh, we're just software that's a cool part about it right yeah. and, and and software-based storage is is a big benefit for us because now cross uh, clouds, cross hardware platforms, and you know, and both at the same time, it's just the same software no matter where we install it. Cool. Um, any other ideas? <laughs> Which behind is EDM? not true of uh, yeah. the companies that we've worked for in the past. No, they all yeah. claim software, but it's uh, it's tied to a big piece of hardware every single time. That takes two, three years to engineer and QA and get out. And yeah, by the time... NVMe started hitting, you know, these larger appliances. It had been out for years. Yeah. It had been out in common usage for years. Customers were developing their own storage systems to make use of it because they couldn't get their scale out NAS to get there quite yet. Right. And that, that's definitely something we can help with. So, I mean, just to, just to make sure people understand, we are a scale out parallel file system, right? It's a single file system. Well, it's a single namespace where we can yeah, have multiple file system. It can be a single file system. We can have multiple file systems. We had that 14 exabyte play around file system, right, Josh? So, <laughs> But we can make a single file system look as big as you want or as small as you want and have multiple of them on the same cluster uh, and allow uh, the EDA customers to have different projects and different file systems are all in the same and tiered off to an object store. So when they aren't using that data, it's sitting down somewhere in a, a cheaper tier where they can access it when they need to. And we can do prefetch on that data, pull it back, and have it ready for the next run that they need to do. So it doesn't have to get pulled. But you know, our exactly. parallel parallel reads off an object store pretty darn fast. So it's yeah, not... and and not to mention the the number of files that we can support. Right, we're not we're not looking at you know a couple of hundred of thousand files in a directory or millions or even billions of files in a complete file system. We'll do what, 6.4 billion files in a directory? Yes. Please please don't try and LS that directory. You'll just hurt yourself. Don't don't go that crazy. It'll work, but, you know, let's be real here. You, you might want to and, access that using something else like an API. Yeah, there. you might, might want to do it a little programmatically. And then, what, 6.4 trillion files for, for one file system? And something, if you yeah. need more, just set up another file system. Put another file system. Yeah, and, and those yeah. numbers will change as we grow our cluster and, and, add, and make more efficiency in our... In our well, software, as soon as somebody needs it to be bigger, like if if someone needs more, more than having teledevelopment, like hey guys, somebody actually needs more, let's go, let's go and do it. <laughs> I'm sure they would be a flabbergasted that somebody could do that, and be excited to see how much higher they could make that. Absolutely. Well, um, do you have anything else you want to add, Dave? Is there any more EDA wisdom you want to impart to us for today? Uh, well, I just want to mention you guys were talking about how big it is and how fast it is. Uh, it's worth mentioning that we do that. 
while also being less expensive than our uh, uh, larger competitors. Uh, yeah. We don't have a huge sunk cost uh, baked into hardware like everybody else does because we're just running on commodity servers. So, um, you know, it, it used to be the old adage, you know, uh, good, you know, uh, do you want do you want it good? Do you want it fast? Or do you want it cheap? cheap. Pick two. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know, we can optimize for, you know, lead time. You know, do you, you know, do you need something you can take delivery of, you know, inside of a matter of uh, days or weeks? Or can you afford to wait some months? Or do you uh, have a couple of optimize... servers that have NVMEs in them already? We'll just plug into there. Yeah. Or, yeah. or spin it up in the cloud. You know, yeah. have it running, yep. you know, in an hour or two. Uh, yep. uh, do you want... Uh, uh, Huge amount of capacity or a tiny amount? Well, because we're not trying to sell, you know, sell uh, big frames of storage. You know, we don't care. You know, yeah, by we... the size that matters. Uh, performance. Mm -hmm. You know, get the throughput that you need. Don't pay for extra. I mean, we have so many different dimensions we can uh, optimize uh, for uh, on behalf of the customer. Well, we were uh, playing around at one of those uh, solution. One of those soft companies that you were talking about that that EDA guys use, and we were playing around with them. And we uh, had a eight node cluster and one of the servers died. So it was down to a seven node cluster <laughs> and uh, they only gave me a single hundred gig connection to their entire network where they, all their clients were. And they kicked off all the clients and it was a giant IOPS run. And they got to about 2.5 million IOPS and we ran for a couple hours that way. And uh, my limitation was literally the network pipe. So the, <laughs> the this, one up link. <laughs> yeah, the Weka cluster, which was a two uh, big twins from, from uh, Supermicro with six drives each and only seven of those. So that's, what, 42 drives, basically, and uh, mm -hmm. seven 100 gig connections to their network. We were driving 2.5 million IOPS across this network, and the system was about 40% utilization because these were Gen 3 CPUs. We had Gen 4 to be much more. So, you know, the system had headroom, plenty of headroom to keep going. If we had more network, we could have given more throughput. So I, I think, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, 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 the cheap, the fast, <laughs> and the good, I think we can deliver on all three and make people happy. And, and the best part is the ease of use, right? It's a, it's a single cluster. You just keep adding nodes, you add drives, you add network, and you get more of each. Um, that's the nice part about Ooh. it. Cool. Well, Josh, anything else you want to add? I just want no. to double check. I heard you right. That that was two million IOPS over a network constrained configuration, uh, in what four RU? <laughs> yeah, and four U. Yep. <laughs> Forty two drives. <laughs> no Would've one gone else. Faster. Yeah. No one else is delivering yeah. the performance we are. Yep. So yeah. I, I, yep. All right. Cool. Um, Dave, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. You're welcome. You. Glad to join you guys. And I guess for cluster conversations, I'm Bob again. And I'm Josh. All right, have we'll a great one. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks a lot. Bye.